clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. I have a, a lot to live up to with this one. Uh, because obviously Josh was right last week and mine was so close. Um, and I toyed with a lot of options on this one. I really, really did. But we're going to have a lot of fun with this one because I'm going to be so wrong. <laughs> we're going to the Broncos and the Chiefs. Ooh. Monday night football, a divisional matchup. It's so tough. It really is um, to predict those divisional matchups. But I'm going to go and out on a limb here and say that Denver Broncos are going to win. And not only are they going to win, they're going to hold that incredible Chiefs offense to under. 20 points. I'm going to say the Chiefs offense only scored 14 points in this game. And Patrick Mahomes is only going to throw one touchdown. One touchdown. I think that that's going to blow all people away. And that is my friend's fortune for this week. All right. I feel pretty proud of what I said last week. But regardless, it's a new week. And, uh, you know, you don't get to celebrate in the NFL. You got to keep focused. So, since my prediction last week was uh, not super bold, I'm going to get pretty darn crazy here. And I'm going to go to that Sunday night football game that we were just talking about. Uh, Baltimore traveling to the Steelers, and they always play each other well. I really am excited about the game. But I am going to say that Justin Tucker is going, who is an amazing, amazing kid. He studied opera, in case you didn't know that. Look up him singing. He also does impressions. (laughs) He does a fabulous one of Ray Lewis. It's hilarious. (laughs) But I'm going to say that um, he kicks five 50-yard field goals in this game. I'm not positive that's a record. I've been trying to find that. I can't find the record for uh, most 50-yarders. The record in a game is eight. I don't think he'll kick eight field goals, but I'm going to say he's going to kick five 50-plus-yard field goals in the game against Mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night. Wow. Okay. Well. Not bad. Neither of us were right, but... We were a, not super far off with what we said. No, and here's the thing. It it was late in the fourth quarter in the in the the Chiefs only had thirteen points late in the fourth quarter. So let's talk about your <laughs> okay. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Continue. No, I'm just saying that I, and I was at rehearsal at the time for most of the game, but when I left, or when I was at, before I was about to leave in our last break, I checked the score, and the Broncos were up 23-13 late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I was, first of all, I was excited because I wanted to see Casey and that Broncos team get the victory because right. I picked them too. Uh-huh. But 13 points, and I, I just, I thought it was a divisional game. The, the Broncos defense is better, I think, than people give it credit for. Uh, with you know with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, that's tough. Yeah. And I just really thought that they were going to figure him out. And for three and a half quarters they did, but then Pat Mahomes just kind of figured him out near the end there. And they really finished so I, off I'll, with 14 straight. I'll say this about the game. What I, I appreciated is I think, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but I said, where is Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I've been asking that, and mm-hmm. what I really enjoyed was that when we saw Mahomes, I don't want to say struggling because he didn't struggle, yeah. but he wasn't playing up to the this kind of bar that he'd been setting the mm-hmm. previous three weeks. Mm-hmm. That they were able to turn to Kareem Hunt, and he played phenomenally well. He did perform. He did. He absolutely performed. So that makes me feel good moving forward because if your quarterback isn't able to air it out at such right. a high level, you have a really dependable guy. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to say about that game that I really appreciated is something that you've been preaching on this show for a few weeks yeah. about play calling yeah. and Andy Reid. Because they they shouted him out because when the offense was struggling, Andy Reid went and sat on the bench right next to Mahomes and they were figuring out what they wanted they to do. It up. And they were kind of talking, the commentators, Witten uh, was saying, usually mm-hmm. your head coach doesn't have the luxury or the time to go down and sit with your quarterback to be like, hey, let's figure this out. So I have to give mad props to yeah. Andy Reid because that was pretty cool. And here's it, here's a really cool stat that I wanted to bring up that kind of ties into this is that the so the chief uh, going into this game or no, no this was yesterday so this was after this is on their season sure so listen to this the Chiefs offense has fewer yards and first downs than their opponents. So the Chiefs' offense has 1,807 yards, and their opponents have 1,641. Okay. The Chiefs have, um, oh no, that's flipped. That's flipped, by the way. Uh, and then the, the Chiefs' offense is 96, and the other teams against them have 113. So it says, who needs first downs when you're going straight to pay dirt? And that's a really cool point, and that's something that I wanted to, that's why I sort of said that about the game, is that they're scoring on first and second down, and they're barely having any third downs, and... And they're, they're, you know, they're they're getting some turnovers and they're getting short fields and stuff like that. Okay. And they're just scoring right away. They're not being forced to methodically move the ball. And I thought that Denver was finally going to force them to do that. They and did for a they while. They did for most of the game. Yeah. And, I, and but then near the end, like I said, Andy Reid and Andy Reid sat down with Pat Mahomes, and you you said it, they figured it out, and they scored 14 points in that fourth quarter and won. And it was, you know, it was that close to being a loss too, because Case Keenum almost. <laughs> He had Demaryius Thomas wide open in the that shot in the zone. I was I was hoping <laughs> see like but I was I was hoping that DT would have caught that Demaryius Thomas yeah. for for the Broncos, like Adam said, wide open. And I was hoping that they would have pulled that out because then it would have been that thing where Mahomes couldn't have done anything about it. Yeah. But we I saw what I wanted. But you see, to you needed to see because yes, he's had all these touchdowns and all this yardage and stuff, but. And not a lot of people are going to say this. I think it's basically only me saying this, is that the system is built for him to be that way. But he really did pull it out in the end. I mean, 
did you, on the third and sixteen? Yeah. When he had the third and sixteen, and he smiles at the camera, and then he just whips a pass to Tyreek Hill for a first down. I was, I, it was unbelievable. The, I mean, it's a different <laughs> play, but I mean, like the lefty throw too. He had Von Miller right. wrapped around his legs. Like right. I saw a lot of what I wanted to see from him. Right. When, so this is the first Chiefs game that I've watched yeah. this year, but like. Showtime Mahomes? What is that like? Brand new? Is that I mean, because never, he's been lighting it up? I, I'm They're assuming. calling him Showtime Mahomes. Now. I've never heard that. Don't know how I feel about it. I've also never. Have you ever heard him, heard his voice? Because apparently there's this huge thing about they what say Patrick he sounds Mahomes' like voice. Kermit, and he kind of. I don't. Does, I've never heard. I've he, never heard his voice. And he then doesn't. apparently <laughs> and, or Andy Reid this morning or yesterday in a press conference. They asked him about it. He was like, I do a pretty good Mahomes impersonation. And they pushed him to do it. And he said, maybe in the offseason. Oh, God. <laughs> I would love to hear it. <laughs> so, but Patrick Mahomes, if you're listening, it's funny because even this weekend, I wrapped up my show. My show is closed now. Yours is about to open. Yeah. Uh, somebody said that I sounded like Kermit. And I <laughs> don't really agree. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true at all. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk like this now. <laughs> Because I'm so self-conscious. simultaneous catch. With Josh and Adam. <laughs> here we go. Well, yeah. that's a great way to welcome you all. Yeah, so welcome uh, in. Oh, we didn't I talk will, about yours, Yeah, my mean, like, obviously, uh, Justin Tucker kicked four field goals in the game. Did he really? Okay, so four. You've, but none of them. One was 49, one was 48. The other two were from in the 30s. Okay, so, okay. Uh, pretty I far like that off, one, but that not That one's too, fun, though. Yeah, I, I like mean, like, I wanted to be a little crazy. Yeah. My, mine for today, I feel like it's pretty crazy, but okay, kind of good, realistic. But... I feel kind of good about right. it. I mean, it probably won't be right, but I'm that's excited okay. about it. Well, you you've got one, right? <laughs> I've gotten one. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, like not super far off. Yeah. I didn't see that game going that way. Like I said, when we were listening to that, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. It had the outcome that I wanted, but yeah. I don't know. No, no I don't comments. Know. I don't know. It's just so hard because that whole AFC North is so confusing to me. And the only thing that I really has gone the way I thought it was, was I thought the Bengals were going to be really good and I thought they were going to surge early yeah and so I've been right on that but everything else I'm so confused about because I thought that the Browns would be better but not win and then they win the game with Baker and they tie against the Steelers and obviously they should have won last week so you know I didn't think they'd be anywhere where they are I didn't think the Ravens were going to be that anything and all of a sudden they're right up there with the Bengals for the division lead so yeah it's so interesting game behind because of the tiebreaker but right but still it's just yeah i mean do you have any more comments on that because that kind of leads into my recall all right yeah let's do it let's get some rant raving recall here we go rant rave recall so i'm going to recall i've been saying it i said it last week i was saying that i wasn't i believed in baltimore but i did not think they were a playoff team i'm all in now all right i, I believe all right. that the state of the afc right now i think the whole state of the nfl is kind of wonky personally but the state of the afc and you know what i Way back when, week one, we were talking about all this, I said that I I think I predicted Pittsburgh to win the division. I, I'm i not. I'm gonna, that's, I guess that's part of the recall, too. Okay. Kind of doubled down on so, the recall. Wait, it's, okay, so you're saying the Ravens, you're all, you're in on the Ravens. So I you think they're the going to make... Winning the division? No, I don't know about that. I think they're going to be a playoff I'm still team. saying the Bengals are winning the division. I mean, I'm not going to... We could discuss that. At yeah, point. I know. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's gonna be Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm thinking right now, uh, Pittsburgh might be on the, the outside looking in. It's tough. It's maybe on Bell, maybe back week. What did he say? Week, week seven, ten. week seven. Oh, uh, I mean, week ten is the deadline. Oh, did you didn't see. So there was a report that said. Oh, I had not seen. Yeah, that. Yeah, so he came out and he said, "I'll be back." It was week seven or week eight. How weird! I thought it was so strange too because we had talked about it last week and said. 
uh, do we think Bell plays again and do we this this year? And you said yes, and I said for the Steelers, and you said no. And yeah. I agreed with you. He said he'd be back playing week seven or eight. <laughs> How strange like is that? That makes no sense. It doesn't. So maybe he knows that he's going to be traded and he'll be back, or I don't know. But I mean, week eight. Week eight is the trade deadline, right? Is it eight? Yeah, or I think nine? it's week nine. But you, I mean, you have to trade before week nine. Okay, so kind of. Huh. Week nine, but okay, so I know. maybe like that foreshadowing of like I'll be back, not with the team. Right, like, huh. right. Weird. But so that's what I'm saying is there's still so many questions about that too. <laughs> Regardless, I think the the Steelers are fascinating because yeah. I think I mean obviously we've hailed Bell as being top three, top two, yeah. possibly top one. I think his absence has really affected that team even more than we realize. Yeah. I know, like, yeah. offense is still clicking pretty well, and, like, a lot of the things are on the defense. But, I mean, I think Bell not being there has accounted a lot for A.B.'s struggles, Antonio Brown. Probably a little bit. And I think it's just... I, don't, I mean, I can't even say a little bit. I guess you have to say a lot, because even though James Conner has performed admirably, even though he's slowed down recently, Yeah, the when you really think about it... Having a guy like Le'Veon Bell in your backfield for the Pittsburgh Steelers helps the receiver Antonio Brown so much because you have a guy in the backfield who can beat any slot corner and any of the linebackers. So you have to have another guy pull up exactly in coverage, and that opens the top off for Antonio Brown. And it's something that I don't think a lot of casual fans of football will will really think about. You know, not yeah. that they won't understand it, but they just it's not something you think about. But that's so true. When you have a guy in the backfield who can catch a string screen pass and go 85 yards, who can run a wheel route, who can run the whole route tree, you have to account for that on your defense, and that pulls coverage away from your receivers. Right. So it's not only, I mean, just having the constant threat, because anytime Bell is in the backfield, you don't know if it's a handoff or mm-hmm. it's going to be a pass to mm-hmm. him. If, it, if it's a pass... And even if it's Call, not, you he's a great pass blocker too. So gives it Ben more time. So and it keeps the defense on the heels. And you're absolutely right. And, and people freaked out. And I was one of them when James Conner was as great as he was in the first couple weeks. Yeah. And James Conner may be every bit the running back that yes. Le'Veon Bell is. That's the key. But he's not every bit the football player Bell is. Ooh. And that, it, it, I don't. I don't football player is the wrong word. He's I not know what every, you're saying. You know what I mean. But he's not yes. every bit the offensive weapon right. that Le'Veon Bell is because the. You're and you're right pointing that out. He's the key to the offense, and I don't think we all fully realized it. And maybe we did, and I just got hyped on the James Conner train. Right. I mean, you and I mean, obviously, he performed extremely well yeah. in in week one, and he's and it's not been, that he's dropped off a cliff. He just hasn't been as what he was in the first couple of weeks. Right. And I mean, you just nailed it on the head. He is an excellent runner. Mm-hmm. I think his pass catching skills have improved, yeah. especially from his rookie to his sophomore year here. But coming out of college, that was not what he was known for. It wasn't, which is so, strange because he's like he I think Le'Veon Bell could be a number 1 receiver on a team. Oh yeah. I really think he could. I mean, absolutely. So I mean, but no one would say that about James Conner. So no. regardless, uh I think it was interesting to point those things out yeah, about the yeah. Steelers, but yeah, to reel it back in for me, for your recalling recall. Uh, Baltimore. I'm all yeah. about it. I love the weapons that they put around uh, Joe Flacco. Yeah. For the first time, and I feel like years, he's not... I mean, he had Steve Smith, which was a really great weapon for him, but mm-hmm. he's always been, like, the tight end guy. Yeah. Not relying on the tight end. Yeah. I love the additions of all three wide receivers that they got. Who've been playing great. And they don't necessarily rely on just one. No, they that don't. That I really enjoy. I mean, John Brown's been pretty consistent. He's been, I feel like if you said there was a number one, he has been right. it. But, but they're not relying. really performed. Sneed has been he's made some a great, little sneaky. Big, big catches. In key little moments. Sneedy. 
So <laughs> it was bad. It was not great, but I liked it. So yeah, kind of like my brand. Anyway, going over to you, my friend. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good recall. I like, I appreciate that. Thanks. That's good. Uh, and I was thinking about this inherently a lot. When you recall, you're gonna you're gonna rant a little bit or rave a little bit. So True. It's a little you know, bit it's tough. kind of a best of both. You know, worlds. because I'm gonna rave here. Where I well, guess it's Hannah a little Montana. bit of a recall too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there we go. Um. So I'm going to rave here, but it's a little bit of a recall because we were down on the Rams to start the year. We yeah. really were. And I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to hide behind that. Can't. It's on, it's, it's on an audio. Yeah, I mean, we obviously I'm, I'm but wrong. But I was down on the Rams and I'm here to rave about the Rams. And I have all these stats that I'm going to ramble off for you because they're impressive. Let's, they really are. Let's hear them. Is Jared Goff, 1,406 yards, 11 touchdowns, 2 picks, 127.3 pass oh, rating. 2 picks. Any Amazing. other year... They're talking Goff MVP, but right now Patrick Mahomes has been so incredible. A lot of people. He's in there though. So we'll see what happens come the end of the year. But those are incredible numbers. And then you have their three top three receivers. Listen to how listen this. The most incredible thing about this is how close they are. Okay. Brandon Cooks, twenty six catches, four hundred fifty two yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods, twenty four reception, three hundred twenty three yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, 24 receptions, 348 yards, four touchdowns. Our top three receivers are just so consistently good and solid, and they can go to anyone at any time. Yeah. You watch any Rams game, especially when we watch the when I watched the ending of that Thursday night game, it was just everybody ate. Everybody got it first first oh, down catches. That's the and truth. And you literally just he goes to who's open, and they all get open a lot. Yep. So I think that's cool. Then you have Todd Gurley, 79 rushes, 338 yards, four touchdowns, and then he also has 15 catches for 194 yards and two touchdowns. Amazing offense. Defensive stats. Ugh. They're ranked the, the ninth total defense in the NFL, so they're a top 10 defense. Yep. Top five in rushing defense. Eight sacks, three fumbles recovered, four interceptions, and two defensive touchdowns. Okay. So not only on the offensive side, they're getting it done on the defensive side. Yeah. So we're going to rave about all those people and all those names there because you also have you know Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, Akeem yep. Tlaib, Marcus Peters. You have all these guys. But I need to talk about right now the guys that aren't getting the credit because they deserve it. All right. It's Sean McVay, Wade Phillips, and that entire uh, coaching I'm staff. I'm so happy. It's, I thought you were going to say some players that I didn't know. No, but this, I mean, and there, are, is... and there are players. Um, there are players in that team that don't get sure. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Because they're all. It's a team sport, and they're all that offensive line doesn't get nearly enough credit. When you watch a a Rams game and you see Jared Goff doing what he's doing, he has all this time to throw. It's incredible. Yeah. But. We need to talk about how incredible his coaching staff is. I'm so is. glad that you're going on this track yes, right now. Because here's the thing. People will give Sean McVay a ton of credit. I still don't think he gets enough credit. Yeah. Which is a little bit crazy to say to some people. But Sean McVay still does not get enough credit. 31 years old. Still the youngest head coach in the NFL by far. And he just simply gets it. And he lives and breathes football every second. And... I can't even begin to describe how intelligent and brilliant of a move and just totally taking all of your ego and pride out of it to hide a guy like hire a guy like Wade Phillips to run your defense. I mean, he's just that's so key. It's and it's so wise beyond your years at 31 years old to be I'm going to hire a former head coach, a former very successful head coach and Wade Phillips. Okay, maybe he wasn't successful with the Bills, but he was successful with the Dallas Cowboys for the most part. So you know, you sit the there and you say, you're going to run my defense and you're also going to be a key part of my staff because he's the assistant head coach. But 
man, we, a lot of these players in, in, you know, Jeff Fisher made comments or whatever, and people have said, you owe this to Jeff Fisher because he had all these guys. I feel and like Jeff Fisher said that, nobody else. It, well, regardless, Jeff Fisher and all these guys, you know, put together a, a decent roster, but they didn't un, they didn't tap into all of it. Yep. Sean McVay, Wade Phillips took these guys, added a ton more pieces, especially this year, mm-hmm. and they just make it work. It's unbelievable, and it's and it goes way beyond X's and O's because you have the X's and O's that are that are so evident. Even to casual football fans, when you watch that offense roll and they're moving all these fake sweeps and rollouts and dump offs and deep passes and combo routes that just work perfectly with each other. And for those of you who don't really know that in depth about football, I'm talking running just the right amount of a post route under with an underneath drag route right underneath it, which just opens a zone up yeah. or, like, destroys man coverage. You know, things that are so deep about the sport, you know, that are so smart to know. And, you know, they just dissect defenses on their offense. And then, you know, I love defense, so I pay attention <laughs> to that. But just the way they combo their blitzes on different gaps at the same time, and they'll drop defensive linemen into coverage and then rush their linebackers, which confuses the hell out of teams. Yeah. It's just... They are so smart. They're way ahead of every football team that they 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 face, you know, because they haven't really been challenged. You know, the Vikings gave them a little bit, but it, I never really felt that the Rams had were not in control of that football game for the most part. Okay, I'm just saying that they 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 are so good, and I don't think people are giving them enough credit. I and mean, they, that's that's my rave. They're I'm an all incredible I'm, football team. I'm all about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, that was my bold prediction at the beginning of the year uh, that they would be on the outside looking in. Uh, train wreck would happen. Bar- I was to say, barring anything wild, something wild has to happen. I mean, and that's kind of weird to say in week five of the NFL. I mean, yeah, both of our bold predictions are basically not even. You know, it, I, I mean, you never know in the NFL. You really don't. I mean, right. But at the same things time, can still happen. Both of our bold predictions I, went right off the rails. I chalk it all up, and I mean. I don't remember exactly what I said week one of our, our, our first episode, but I know that I praised McVeigh and yeah. made all the things you just say, and I'm just doubling down on that comment. Yeah. All the things you said are so correct. I don't even mind mm-hmm. that my bullet prediction's wrong because it proves greater, better greatness. I'm not sure that's even a great mm-hmm. thing to say. To them, though. Absolutely. Because I said that dream teams don't work. They brought in all this drama, mm-hmm. and they've just made it work. And it's worked. So those it's two men, those two LA. men and their <laughs> coaching staff have just... It's been brilliant. Amazing. I mean, it's so much fun. I right? don't even mind being wrong, because it no. just heaps more praise and, onto them. And I have a, another cool stat for you guys for the Rams. So the Rams are averaging 107 more yards per game than last year's team, which led the NFL in total points. Wow. They're averaging 66.7 more yards than the 1999 Greatest Show on Turf Rams. That's what they're although, calling it. They're saying although it's the Greatest much, Show 2.0. It is, it is much easier to get yards in 2018 than 1999, but <laughs> I digress. It's incredible what these Rams are doing, and I'm just I'm very impressed. I am very, very impressed. And that's a really nice segue into a question that we got from, yeah, a, we, from a listener. We did get a listener um, question, which we're so excited yeah. about. Thank you, uh, Brian, for sending in this question. And this is something that we want to mention. If you guys have any questions, hit us up on social media, or even if you don't want it, your name to be mentioned and you don't want people to know, you can text either of us or message either of us if you have our information. But you know, if you post on our Facebook page, Simultaneous Catch, or our Twitter, at Simultcatch, 
uh, or even you can leave comments on our podcast episodes as well. But we'll we'll take uh, viewer listener questions every week, and we'll have a, a segment where we do questions if we have questions. But our first one, and it's a good segue from scoring to the question, because the the question is Brian wanted us to predict and talk about what we thought would be the lowest scoring game uh, this week. Now I love this transition because as you were just saying. Obviously, the scoring, Rams scoring, are scoring. Exploding, exploding, and they're doing even more than uh, last year. So this year, in the first four weeks, this is only t- passing touchdowns. Yeah. Which... There have been 228 <laughs> passing touchdowns. Unbelievable. Which, I don't know what like your definition of shatter is, but it shattered the previous record. Which the was? previous record was 205 in 2013. So it's 23 more touchdowns, which... I mean, it's not like it's like a hundred, but twenty-three touchdowns that's more than, is a lot. That's one. That means that that's more than half. So that's about two thirds of your court starting quarterbacks have thrown more touchdowns. So uh, I'm going to turn this over to you first because you're yeah. my defensive guy. Uh, tell yeah. me, it's tell me so what you sa- think the answer to it, this is. It's not that it's sad to me either because I like scoring just like everybody else does. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I just love and appreciate when, especially more in that stat that you just said. I mean, you have it written down. What were the two previous years with the records? The, or what previous, was the, previous, the year? previous year was 2013, so five years ago. Yeah, so it's still more recent that these records are being broken. So it gets bigger and bigger, you know, every year. Uh, but I just love when teams are able to shut that down because it's such it's so tough to play defense anymore in the NFL when you can't. Apparently, you can't sack a quarterback anymore. <laughs> Although, right. this past week was there a little were, bit better. There, there were, were no egregious calls. Yeah. So, NFL so listened nice. to my They rant. listened to simultaneous catch. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's tough when you have that and you, know, you can't really disrupt routes as easily as you could as a defensive back anymore. Uh, defensive pass interference is called all the time on plays. It's used as a weapon now. You know what I mean? It's used as a play. It really is. Sometimes they say just go out there and figure out how to get a flag, you know? Um, So it's so tough. Um, But there are some matchups this week that I really think can and will become some defensive battles. There really are. All right, well, you Um, get to pick one. And so I'm going to pick one, right? Is that what we're doing? We're picking one? I think we agree on this, so I'm going to... Go with a different one. Okay. So I think we, because we talked about this earlier, but I think it's probably going to be the Titans and the Bills. I agree. Because the Titans are one of the best defenses in the NFL. Which I don't think people know. People don't know. They're so sneaky. And I was watching Good Morning Football, one of our favorite shows. Yep. And they mentioned when they were talking about MVPs, Jarrell Casey was in their top 10. Ooh. And I, at first, first I was like, "Eh," but then I was like, no, think about it. He's right there in the middle of that defense, and that defense is really good. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's so interesting to me because the Titans really don't get a lot of love. The Titans are a really good football team. And I and I don't know I don't know what I said the first week, but I feel like I mentioned really loving the Titans and, and their team. Okay. But because I really do and I and we we did talk about this last week where I love Mike Rabel yep. and I love Marcus Mariota and the team that they have. I just you know, Corey Davis Coming alive last week really unlocked the offense for them because their running game hasn't been he definitely inc- exploded. incredible. But when you have a, a weapon that's able to explode like that, that really unlocks your team. Corey Davis, wide receiver. Corey Davis, wide receiver. Really second played well. Second year player. Yep. Took he in the first round, so it, kind of living up to that pedigree. Absolutely. Maybe. And another see if it continues. And a fun fact about that actually, he had his first career regular season touchdown because last year 
He didn't have a touchdown in the regular season, but his first career touchdown was in the playoff game against huh. New England, which okay. is crazy. Okay. So yet la- last week, he this past week, he had his first career regular season touchdown catch to win a game in overtime. There we go. Isn't that cool? But okay. I and, and there's a small. Um, there's a small stat I want to share about this game, too. I have this thread sh- sh- saved on Facebook that had this guy tweeted a bunch of these really cool stats, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to use them. Uh, his name is Chris Westling. He's, uh, he's a sports guy. He works with the Around the NFL podcast on uh, NFL Network. Yeah. Uh, but he mentioned this stat about Josh Allen. It says, Josh Allen not only leads the Bills in rushing, Ooh. leads the Bills in rushing, he also has more yards rushing, 116, than the nominal number one receiver, Kelvin Benjamin, has receiving 92 yards. So, ouch, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, Josh Allen's really great. Third of all, I wanted to say that, you know, not only do I think that it's possible both of these offenses can have an inept day compared to a lot of the other teams, Yeah, uh, I do think their defenses can be really good. And Aaron Rodgers said it last week, and it, I don't think it's another... Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. I don't think it's another quarterback who, excuse me, they were held to three field goals in the red zone mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. And he said, we need to be better. We did not have a great day. And he said, I know the numbers show yeah. that we had. it looked like we had a pretty good day, but we did not. And I don't think that's just another star quarterback taking the blame and trying to get better. They... Like the Bills played really good defense against the Packers this past weekend. Our offense was just that bad. Yeah. You know, we caused two or three turnovers. I can't remember if we had a third, but it's at least two. I know it's at least two. We had five or six sacks of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we were, we had a really good day against them. Okay. Uh, So I think the Bills defense is a lot better than it gets credit for, especially when you get blown out 47 to three and then. You know, I can't remember the final score the second week was, but you're down 28 to 6 at halftime. Yeah. But since then, we actually have been a really solid defense. And I think that we're trying to finally figuring it out. So if I had to pick one, sorry everybody for going on a little tangent there, but. We love your tangents. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I really think if I had to pick a game, I think that the Bills Titans would be one of the slower scoring defensive battles. I am all on board with that. Yeah. Uh, now for good good listening, I yeah. will pick a different game. Okay. Uh, but no, if I could just be like, yeah, and just end that segment, I yeah. would. Uh, but I'll and I won't talk about it that much just because I do think the points yeah. you brought up. But I'm gonna say uh, the Denver Broncos heading out to the New York Jets. Ooh, okay. Uh, I I think that's kind of a sneaky one. Um, obviously since week one, Monday Night Football, the Jets offense has. Uh, gone down the tubes a little bit Mm -hmm. and i think denver's offense hasn't really been that exciting either obviously they had a couple moments or a couple opportunities that we talked about Mm -hmm. uh last or in a few minutes ago on on monday night but not really clicking i'm not really sure why obviously you said it yourself von miller Riley uh, Chubb, Chubb for, uh, great first defensive o- ends. First overall, not first overall in the draft, but first pick the Broncos, by the Broncos out of NC State. So uh, I mean, if if Todd Bowles, head coach of the Jets, gets that defense going on a little bit, it could be a defensive battle. It so could be. That's we'll, a good pick. I like that. So I mean, I, I'm I'm on board with your pick, but yeah. if I had to just go to do something a little bit different, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out to uh, New Jersey for for the Jets. That's solid. I like that a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Um, 
All right, so we're going to... Brian, again, thank you very much for your question. Yeah, if you guys want to add more questions, please feel free. We'd love for you guys to give us things to talk about on, on our show. And we'll, we'll mention you and give you a shout-out, too, if you want. Let's talk about Earl Thomas. Yeah, let's talk he about was, Earl Thomas. Uh, this is tough. He was uh, a big <sighs> topic that we talked about last week with trade talks and all the things going on. We talked about the contract dispute and kind of yeah. injuries. It happened. I want, Broken I want, leg yeah. against the Cardinals. So sad. And uh, he's, you, buddy. I really am. He I, is out for the year. I want to get your thoughts on this first because I have some thoughts and we kind of talked about it outside of the show. But A I, tiny bit. I, I, I don't know if we're going to clash on this or not, but I, I want to get your thoughts before I go. Okay. Um. So I think obviously it's it's very disheartening that yeah. he got injured and it's sad that he's out and the whole thing. I mean, like this is what he wanted the the contract for yeah. for situations like this. Yeah. I will say this, uh, for the first handful of years of his career, he was an Iron Man. He was never hurt. And yeah. he played extremely physical. Then he started having those leg injuries, which I yeah. think is a bigger reason why he wanted the guarantee contract so badly. Right. Yeah, but I right. mean like that was a risk that we knew and maybe the front office knew too. They that maybe is hesitant. a reason why they were hesitant. That's a good word yeah. to use. The thing that I don't like, and I'm sure you know about it. I don't know how you feel about it. When he was being carted off, he was on the Arizona sideline, so he was on the opposite side of the field of his team, yeah. and he flipped off his team. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. I was so angry, and I understand your emotions are running high, and you're angry. Your worst nightmare just came to became a reality, but there is no time and place for that. This is the team that drafted you. This is the team that gave you the contract a handful of years ago that made you one of the highest paid safeties. Mm -hmm. This is the team that believed in you. Mm -hmm. This is the team that you won a Super Bowl with. Yeah. This is your teammates, and whether or not you're angry, and I understand this has been a weird year for Seattle. Pieces are gone. People are moving on. Things are happening. People yeah. don't necessarily believe in Pete Carroll the way they did after that Super Bowl yeah. call years ago. But there's no place for that. And especially when you're such a high-profile player like Earl Thomas, you talk about him being at least the top five safeties in the NFL. Oh, yeah. You're looked up to. Yeah. So it wasn't like a nationally public or a national televised game, but obviously people all around the world are watching you. People kids see. are going to look up to you. And I know like that's silly to get into, but kids look up to you as a role model. Don't don't. There's just no, that's, that's just being a pouty loser at that point. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. Okay. So I understand. I feel really bad that he is now out. He's going to be playing for another team next year. I fully, and if he, the only way he's not is if he retires from football. And he had talked about that after his leg injury a handful of years ago. I think it was two years ago, correct? That he, the yeah, leg injury yeah, happened? I believe so, yeah. So if he wants to be playing football, he will. But I, and I think he'll probably, I don't, I haven't seen anything about it yet, but yeah. I, about him regretting it, but I think he will. I think he'll regret that that's going to be his lasting moment with the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Talk to me, my friend. What do you think? It's hard. Um, first of all, I don't think he was flipping off necessarily his team and his staff. I think it was just towards the whole organization and how they handle this. I really find it hard. I still to, don't think that's an excuse. I, I'm not. That's not. I'm not saying it's an excuse either because I don't think there's any time and place to do that. I agree, especially in that moment. I, I'm not going to argue that. I agree. I just wanted to make it clear that I find it hard to believe that he'd be doing that to the people he's been in the trenches with this whole time. 
I, it's a big part why he was there. He wanted to be there for his team. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, like, I don't um, think. I'm sorry, just I'll interject. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. he was like flipping off Doug Baldwin. Right. Like, I feel like right. if it was, it was directed like at Carroll and and the coaching staff. So, oh. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I just that aside, I think we both are in agreement with. There's, there's no, there's no need for that. There's not. Uh, it's although it is hard for me. Uh, and this is kind of funny, but it's I also mean it very seriously and genuinely. It's hard for me to get on someone who has such an emotional response to something when I have trouble with that myself. And that's, you know, we can chuckle about that a little bit. But like, but like I have trouble sometimes when I'm in a moment where I feel as though I've been working for something or I've been trying so hard and I've had this point that I, that I felt that I was right the whole time. And then it goes wrong the way I said it was going to go wrong. Yeah. I have a hard time keeping in my reaction to that sometimes. Yeah. So I and I can and so I can. I don't condone it or believe it's right, but I can understand how in that moment it could happen. You know, you just you still have this adrenaline in you from you were just playing a game and it was a it was a tough fought game yeah. for most of it, and you know you were in it and they they ended up coming out and winning the game. But it's just, so I can understand that and I have a tough time really criticizing someone for doing that. That being said, I obviously don't condone it and he should not have. But I feel like this needs to be pointed out a little bit more than it has is this is exactly why he wanted the contract. Right. And this is exactly why Le'Veon Bell's doing what he's doing. And it's so hard for me to try to look at the other side and, and, and think, okay, well, this is why the organization didn't want to give him the contract because he's had issues with injuries recently. It's hard for me to look at it that way from an organizational level when you look at it and you just feel so bad for a guy who has given his all to this to this whole organization, this city and this team, and he wanted and he wanted a little bit more money and he wanted the guarantee that he'd be able to play in case he got hurt. And then you, you still show up for your team, even though we talked about it last week. There were some practices that he didn't go to because right. he wanted to take care of his body. Uh-huh. But you're still showing up for your team. You're still laying it on the line. He's the reason they won two weeks ago in Dallas when he had those two big plays. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's been laying it on for this team, and he showed up, and he broke – was it his leg? Yeah. And he broke his leg. And, and it's just – that's so hard. And that makes me so sad and so frustrated just for the whole situation – because I love Earl Thomas, and yeah. I loved the Seattle Seahawks for so long. They're just a really solid football team, and you know, obviously, the last couple of years they've been trending downward. But it's just, it's so sad, and I don't really, I don't know, have much else to say other than it's just, it's so disheartening. It really is, and and I hope, I hope that this doesn't become a thing now that players are going to just stop playing and holding out because. There's the precedent now that, well, Earl Thomas went and played, you know what I mean? Because a lot of teams are going to try to franchise and be like, play out this year and then maybe we'll give the contract. Yeah. And a lot of players are going to be like, you said that to Earl and he played and he got hurt. That leads me to the next part of the conversations are what, what are the implications of yeah. something like this happening? I think the reason that I, I asked that is because obviously uh, he's still playing, but running back for the San Diego Chargers, Melvin Gordon, yeah. went on record uh, earlier this week saying, yeah, I understand what Le'Veon Bell is doing. Yeah. Like, I'm on his side. Obviously, we've seen the Earl Thomas kind of thing happen. So what what's going to happen to the league when, like I said, obviously Gordon is still playing. He's out right, there right. practicing, doing all the things he and needs to. Playing but great, by the playing way. Playing extremely well. <laughs> 
coming up on I believe the last year of his rookie deal here. So what what happens moving forward? Is and it the like, last year or is it the second to last where they can I'm, pick up the option? I'm not. I mean, like though they could pick up the option, making it two more years. But I'm pretty positive this is like he has one more year. Okay. Okay. Because this is his third year in the league, right? I'm not positive. Regardless, okay, okay. regardless. I mean, it's just it's, it's coming bringing up it up because it's becoming talked. a conversation. So yeah. people are talking about this, and I'm yeah. really curious to see how this starts affecting the NFL. Yeah, and the, I don't know if it'll ever change. I think that there will always be players like Earl, and there will always be players like Le'Veon, and there will always be players like Melvin. They're kind of the three different ways to do it. You know, Le'Veon staying away taking care of himself but he'll be back when when he's back and he'll be there for whatever team he's going to play for and he's going to play well and he's going because he and he made a great point he said uh because this was when when they like, it was like two days ago maybe that uh he came out with these comments saying he was going to come back and play but he said to the press he said you know i i was always planning on being here for my team and being here to play this season but I, he but he said but i wasn't going to take 500 more touches on my legs Knowing that that's gonna wear me down when yeah, I'm not making it. what I'm not deserved to be making, and I'm not there's no guarantee I'm gonna be on there past that. I understand you know? that argument. You know, so he's sitting it out to take care of himself. Melvin's playing because he's like, I'm just gonna play and I'm gonna show it on the field that I deserve the money and I appreciate that. And yeah. Earl was kind of the in between where he's like, I'm gonna be there for my team, but if I don't feel right, I'm holding myself out because I'm gonna take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of the three levels of it, and I think there will always be three levels of it. I don't ever think that there will be a time where all of them are like, okay, we're holding out now because we need our money. And I don't think there will ever be a time where everybody's just, oh, we're going to play, you know, figure it out. So I, I don't think this, I think that there will be some players who point to Earl. They're definitely, I'd be shocked if there weren't players who pointed to Earl and said, look, this is why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. I, I, I'd be shocked if there weren't any that did that. But I don't think it has as much of an impact as people might think it will. Okay. Interesting. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I mean, I think I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is... So, obviously, we're week five Yeah. Um, in the NFL. But I... Off the top of my mind, I don't remember a holdout that's lasted this long for such a high-profile yeah. player. Yeah, that's true. So, we don't see things like this often. And I think we mentioned earlier how it's affecting just the production of the Steelers team. Yeah. I mean, it's not affecting the NFL as a whole, per I mean, se. Per se, but but in in certain ways it is. There are, and there I don't big... want to see it become a trend. Yeah, I obviously don't either. I mean, you're right. I can't think. I mean, there weren't even holdouts, but I, I know Calvin Johnson uh, and Marshawn Lynch, Lynch with, with Seattle at the time, and Johnson with Detroit at the time, both just retired when they weren't getting what they wanted to get. Yeah. So they didn't really hold out. So you're right. I can't. There I was can't a few remember. years ago with Cam Chancellor in Seattle, but yeah. he came back. I think week three. Yeah, week he came four. back really quick. Aaron Donald last year held out for I think the first couple weeks. Okay. Or maybe it was just the preseason and came. I out. know he held out preseason. I, but I'm pretty got, positive he was there for week one. I can't remember, but he got his contract in the end. You know. So it's just. But you're you know, right. Not, this has been the longest to my recollection. It's yeah. At least so in recent memory. But. I don't want to see it become a trend because I feel like that's going to start negatively affecting the league. And Earl only adds few. Fuel to Bell's fire. It, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Bell came out after the injury. I don't know if it was a direct tweet to Thomas or he was, was just comment, talking about it. Comment on somebody's post. But he was like, "Yeah, it. I feel for you, man. Let me keep being the bad guy for players like us." Yeah, that's and, a that's a bold statement, and I I kind of liked it from Bell. I really did. I liked that he was able to point to it and be like, 
I'm going to stick to my guns because this is why we need to have things better. So, who? Wow. Tough subject, but it's a good one. It yeah. A good conversation. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, I don't want to talk about this uh, too, too long, uh, but... Obviously, we we saw the Chicago Bears come to life last yeah. week against uh, Tampa Bay. Oh man, they were Fitz Magic. Uh, how about I was gonna try to make some kind of pun about Trubisky, but I can't even think of it. Uh, so obviously Fitz Magic, Mitch Perfect is I like that Mitch Perfect. <laughs> Fitz Magic's over. Oh, hang on. Before I'm sorry, I had a really clever little wrap up to the conversation oh, we you had, did? and I forgot to do it. All right, I'm still gonna say it. Rewind. We have to rewind. Uh, R.I.P. Officially to the Legion of Boom. Oh, none of those pieces are there. That's that's really really sad. Yeah, isn't it? And I feel like people will talk about that defense for years to come. Oh, that will be but, that defense will go down in history. They were the team that won the, the Super Bowl, and they almost. What's sad is they if they would have gotten that second knows one in a row. What the Seattle Seahawks would look like if if they got that if second they had run Super the ball. ball? Yeah, but you're right. Rest so, in peace, Legion of Boom. It is officially all gone. Whew. All right, moving well, on now. now to talk to about Mitch Perfect. Mitch Perfect. <laughs> Uh, so the reason I want to talk about this, obviously we could talk about Trubisky and his six touchdowns. That has not happened in uh, Chicago Bears history. Uh, so way to be Mitch for that. He Matt also Nagy. Only, he also only had seven incompletions. Which is, oh, that's awesome. In 354 yards. So he Matt Nagy kind of, after the game, being like, well, here we go. The secret's out. This is what our offense is. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. We'll see. But what bothered me was... Head coach of the the Bucks, Dirk Cutter, coming out after the game. And obviously, coaches say crazy things in press conferences, especially when your team performs like that. Yeah. But he said, everyone on the field should be fired, including me. Now, hey, uh, I feel really weird about that when you were pretty much almost fired last year. <laughs> and when your team, yeah, so you, you started out really hot. You did some good things with Fitzmagic. But I feel like as a head coach that's on pretty thin ice already, you don't be like, you know what, fire me. Because they'll be like, oh. <laughs> they'll They'll just be like, you know what, okay. Oh. First of all. What, he, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, he, he should be fired. I, I, I feel bad for saying that. I don't want to like, obviously I'm not really going to affect it. <laughs> that being said, Dirk Cutter should not be the Bucks head coach. I think he's shown it. You know, they had the hot start, and then they've lost straight two straight, and they've kind of fallen apart here. He's totally butchered the whole Jameis Winston thing. and Jameis is back. I, I, and it's just, yeah, he came back and threw two picks. So I get mean, ready for that, Bucks fans. It's going to be a disaster. I mean, if you're a Cameron Braid owner, get excited. But, yeah, Likes right. his tight end. But I just, I, I can't believe he said that. That's incredible in... Not a good way. I you oh. right. I mean, like it's not even necessarily to be unexpected. Like I said, coaches say crazy things like that, and you should take the blame for the loss as the, as the leader of the team. But you shouldn't say we should all be fired, including me. Especially, he said, especially me. <laughs> like, in, who's their offensive coordinator right now? In the, I don't even know because he might be getting a in call. the weirdest way. I mean, obviously it's Thursday right now, so it would have already happened. Right, but it, I just kind of wish it would have happened. I wish they would have said that in the next morning. Like, Dirt oh, cutter fired. Yeah, I've been like, okay. 
I have nothing else to say about that. But when I heard that, I was like, you've got to be kidding. What? <laughs> what are you doing, Dirk? I, I just, I really hope, Ooh. I really hope that they get a fresh new coaching staff next year. They move on from Jameis Winston and they find their next quarterback. There's a lot of good ones coming up in this year's draft. There yeah. really are. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, after the season's done, when we get into all those crazy things, I'm yeah. very excited to talk about those, yeah. those kind of things. So uh, the one thing that I'm throwing something in the schedule real fast that we hadn't talked about already. Let's do it. And it's something that I'm very intrigued about hearing your your opinion on. So there were um, two two more games that went to overtime. Yeah. I don't know if we have we seen this many overtime games it's in a, a long time. It's a stat that I would love to find a way to look at because you're right. There are a lot of overtime games that have happened this early in the season. So we talked about the Tennessee Titans winning theirs in overtime. Yep. Now the Colts. Uh, against the Houston Texans, lost theirs in overtime. Yeah, very similar situations. Yeah. I'll paint the picture yeah. here with very different endings. So both Frank Reich, uh, head coach for the Colts, yeah. elected to go on a fourth down. Mm-hmm. So did Mike Vrabel for the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Indy did not convert. Tennessee did. And Vrabel's being praised, and Frank and, Reich has been ridiculed. Yes, I hate it. Tell me your thoughts. I hate it too, and it makes me so mad because uh, Mike Greenberg, the host of uh, one of the hosts of Get Up on ESPN, another one of my favorite morning shows, totally tore Reich apart because he said he said a tie is better than a loss. It's the dumbest decision I've ever made. You play for the tie, and I'm like, no, you play to win the game. There we go. Hello, Herm Edwards. <laughs> you play to win the game. I, I, when they got to there and the time's almost out, there wasn't. A single part of me, you know, past maybe the first millisecond where I was like, do you go for this here? As soon as I had that one thought, I was like, no, absolutely, you go for it. There's no question. Because if you punt it, then you're probably going to tie the football game. And right. who wants another tie? So, so go for it. We're talking about the Indianapolis this game, This is the right? Indianapolis because game. Because they, right. they didn't have a whole, like, you're right. If they punt it, it's probably a tie. Yeah. Because there's very little time left. Right. I think it was like a minute left, a little something, bit less than a minute. Something like that. Neither team had I, uh, a lot of timeouts. Maybe Houston had one or two left. But still, they you you punt that, it's probably going to end in a tie. Frank Reich, you made the right choice because your quarterback's been playing pretty good all day. The offense ha- had picked up some momentum oh, late. huge. And so you go for it. And I don't I don't agree with anybody at all. You know, you, anybody can look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty. always. Yeah. You can always look back and be... Well, I probably shouldn't have went for that. If Sean Payton and back in the Super Bowl where the Saints played against the Colts, yep. you know, they, they were down ten nothing and famously did the onside kick to start the second half. If they don't recover that, Sean Payton's one of the biggest He's probably still not there. He's one of the, the what do you, what do you call it when uh what's that what do, what do you call it when somebody really messes up? It's not like a goat, but because obviously the goat is like the greatest of all time, but I mean, like, what's the? Isn't there like an animal where they're like they're uh, blah blah blah? I don't know. But regardless, he's being <laughs> talked about one of the. What, his we'll name call is Mud for now. Yeah, one of the bad, worst calls in NFL history. You're right. But you couldn't convert it, and all all of a sudden, Sean Payton's gutsy. He's brilliant. I mean, it's, it's now hailed as one of the greatest Super Bowl calls it re- because of that. And it is. It re- and, and and to me, for, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this is stupid. Even if you don't recover it, to me that's still one of the greatest calls because you're going against the that Indianapolis Colts defense at the, or offense at the time with Peyton Manning. Yep. This could be a little bit confusing because we're talking about the Colts in both scenarios on different sides. <laughs> but True, in that Super Bowl, you're talking about a team that was hot the whole year. They oh, yeah. almost went undefeated. Yeah. And 
So did the Saints. Do. So did the Saints. So you're talking about they they put almost the nail in the coffin at that point if they get the ball back. Right. So regardless, that's the right call. You're talking about in last year's Super Bowl when Doug Peterson went for it on fourth and goal and called Philly special and scored yeah. a touchdown. And their win percentage jumps exponentially. It's been proven time and time again being aggressive in this sport of football counts and it works and so what it's not going to work every time you, you chalk it up to a loss you got a loss last week but you made the right call and you believed in your offense to get it done and they didn't and in Mike Vrabel's case he believed in his offense to get it done and they did get it done so kudos to them but it's unfair totally to call Frank Reich dumb for making the call and Mike Vrabel a genius just because it worked yeah I agree it's closed mind I mean like you you just went on a, a rant sorry my I, friend it it's just okay. makes me upset when we... I I love it. Like that's why I think this storyline is very fascinating. Yeah. Which is why I I wanted I forgot that there could have been two more ties in the league. Could have been, <laughs> <laughs> which would have been weird. It just makes it makes me upset in general when casual fans look at things like that and they don't look at it intelligently, but especially when a guy like Mike Greenberg, who is an intelligent mind, yeah, I mean, like, there are a, a lot of there are a lot of analysts that are like that was dumb. Like, that's dumb. No, it's not. If he picks it up, you're like. Brilliant. They look won the, the look game, at the cojones on that guy. He they, got the, they most likely, they won most the likely game. win the game. And so let's cool off, okay? Yeah. I mean I agree. <laughs> I I I think you said it best moments ago and you said hindsight's twenty twenty. You it can't look is. back at those things. But you're right, if they pick mm-hmm. up that thing if they pick up the fourth down, they win the game, then it's like, yeah, good thing you right. did. And I just hate when we have two scenarios that are so similar. I, I feel like that amplifies it a little bit. That's why yeah, it makes this interesting. It does. Because we had two very similar situations the same week, yeah, just different results. Right, but it it bugs the heck out of me where Rabel yeah, and you said you like him. I do. I don't I think he's Rabel. a bad head coach. I liked him as a player. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd like to see him continue. I think he's definitely a player's coach. I think that's yeah. cool. But I mean, you can't say he's a genius because I mean, if if they both failed, are they both yeah. stupid? I, I mean, mean, it's just you, kind of one of those things. You can't say it. You'd be wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, wanted to NFL, slide that in. We can end it with this and move on. But NFL history is completely littered with decisions like this that went one way for one team and one for the other. It's how the NFL was built, and it's how greatness happens. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Last thing uh, before we get to cold reads, and we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this, but uh, so we're a month. In four weeks yep. is officially done. Yep. So there's First a quarter of the NFL is done. There's a few high profile players that were dealing with suspensions coming back this yep. week. We'll yep. see one tonight in yep. uh, wide receiver Julian Edelman of uh-huh. the Patriots. Then on Monday night, we have to wait the complete polar opposite of the spectrum for our NFL week. Yeah. Monday night, Mark Ingram, running back for the Saints, mm-hmm. is coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me what you see uh, coming from these two players as they return to their respective teams. So if I did. I think that uh, both are going to affect the teams in a very big way. Okay. Uh, maybe not in the stat sheet, but just in terms of their weapons that you have to pay attention to. Yeah. If you're the opposing teams. Uh, I think that Julian Edelman is going to have the bigger impact. Interesting. Um, I disagree. But, uh, well, this is actually funny because this was going to be one of my cold reads for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Shoot. But uh, I'm still going to ask you the cold read question because it involves other things. But... Uh, I am very excited. It's sad because... Okay, it's not sad. This is really... Actually, this is cool. No, it's not sad. It's cool. 
obviously I'm a Bills fan, so I despise mostly everything that the Patriots are. Yeah. Julian Edelman is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Okay. And I love Julian Edelman. He's so tough. He's only 5'11", so, you know, taller than me. But, <laughs> that being said, not very tall for NFL wide receiver at all. Yeah. Uh, and he's just... Sorry, you're a Darren Sproles. Thanks, buddy. It's okay. Uh, but he, he gets it done. And he does. He, he's got incredible hands he runs beautiful routes he's very intelligent when he sees the right coverages he'll break off his route and Brady knows when he's going to do it they have an amazing connection and he's way f- quicker than people think he is yeah he's a very fast guy uh he throws touchdowns too he runs sweeps and 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 sometimes he runs up the middle too you know they give him one handoff sometimes so i just he's such a key weapon for them more important, maybe even than Gronkowski, in my opinion. Ooh, wow! And uh, I'll be, I want them to lose. Statement. I want them to lose every game, but I want Edelman to have a good good day every day. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I won't. I, now I'm anxious about the cold. Yeah, reads I was just cause... saying we can segue into cold reads from there because I have one about the returning players. Okay, yeah, sure. So, as you see, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Ingram. And Edelman, but there's also Jameis, Jameis Winston, who played last week, but he's going to be starting this week. Uh, and there are some well, they're other... on their bye. Oh, are they yes. on their bye? Oh, oh. Well, regardless, it's still rope this into it. There are a handful of players, them included, returning from suspension. Uh, David Irving of the defensive lineman of the Dallas Cowboys Ooh, is true. also returning from okay. suspension. So there are a lot of players returning from suspension. I want to give you. I want you to give me the most important player returning. Okay. And then I want you to give me who's going to have the biggest day this weekend. Ooh, okay. The returning that players. That completely flips around my answers then. Okay. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to say, so who has the biggest day? I yes. think it's tonight. I think we see Julian Edelman yeah. reconnect with Brady okay. like that. Okay. Uh, getting him back in the slot I think is going to be really important for that offense. Okay. And I think we've talked a few times about how the Colts defense has kind of improved, but they're yeah. really weak in that slot area. Okay. So I think Edelman's going to have a really good game. More or less seven catches. Uh, ooh, I mean... I'm I trying feel to like pick a tough number. That is a tough number because I feel like it's right in that area. Yeah. Like I would say six to eight. Okay. Uh, so, but since I have to pick, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say over. Okay. I would I would say over too. Do you think more or less 100 yards receiving? Uh, I don't know if he'll reach that. Okay. Uh, but you just but think that he'll he'll convert. He'll the get thing a lot is of that he's just he's gonna move the chains. Okay. And that is what okay. that Pat's offense needs. Like Obviously, that. they played very well last week, uh, but still kind of figuring out that thing. Okay. I think it's it's really important that they're home Absolutely. for this game. I think yeah. that's really helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say who has like the biggest. Uh, wh- how did you phrase it? I said who's gonna have the biggest day and then, okay, biggest day. Yeah. So and who's most important? Who's most moment. important? Uh, I'm all about Mark Ingram. Yeah. I'm all about Mark Ingram. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mark Which Ingram. It's interesting to a lot of people because Alvin Kamara's been great. I mean, he he Alvin Kamara, you can take nothing yeah. away from an extremely, extremely awesome, amazing, fun talent to watch. He really is a lot of fun to watch. But Mark Ingram's what they need. They need that. They need how I just talked about Julian Edelman kind of being like that consistent moving the chains guy. Mm -hmm. They need that because what the Saints need more than anything, and I've been all about being like, their defense is going to be fine. They have not shown it through the first month (laughs) of of the season. They were a lot better last week. They need to stay off the field. They don't need Alvin Kamara 
taking it 70 yards on the first play and being like, touchdown! Yeah. We got to go back out, out. I didn't even get to drink my Gatorade. God damn it. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize for our listeners. Sorry, Mom. Got worked out. Yeah, sorry. But they don't need that. They need the guy where like, when they get ahead, which is very, very possible, they just need somebody to wear down defenses, keep yeah. that offense out on the field, just continuing to eat up clock. Mm-hmm. That's Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. As amazing as, and Kamara did a really good job running the football last week against the Giants, but he has not, he's done his damage through the air. So I'm really excited to see those two backs that just lit the league on fire last year and have Kamara. Obviously, he can still run the football. He will get carries as well, but let Kamara be your pass catcher. Mm -hmm. Let Ingram run the football, and it's gonna, it's gonna help. Drew Brees because he's not going to have to throw it 80,000 times. Okay. It's going to help the defense stay off the field so they're fresher, so they're not exhausted. Okay. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, we'll see what it does with the stats, but I think it's mm-hmm. going to help Kamara in some ways too. Yeah. So yeah. biggest impact, I'm all about Mark Ingram. All right. I like that a lot. And, and, you know, we've been really high on the Saints, and I wanted to say this because maybe we're throwing another bold prediction on there. I'm The Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. Ooh. The Saints are going to win the Super Bowl, and and I am feeling I feel pretty confident about that. Wow, which is crazy because I was I at the beginning of the year I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl, and I still think it's going to be I think it's going to be Packers Saints in the title game, the so NFC fun. title game, and I think it's going to be so much fun. But the, Drew Drew Brees himself could carry this team in the playoffs with the weapons that he has. But then you add to the fact that he's got the studs in the backfield that he does now. Yeah. In, in my opinion, by far the best running back tandem in the NFL. Uh, by I, far. I, I don't think one, another one comes close. Okay. You know, because Kamara's top five running back in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And Ingram's definitely top 15 and maybe irks into the top 10. Sure. So he, they're both up there. Okay. And then you have all the weapons that you have. And then this defense is going to come along. And it's funny that we keep saying it, but they played a lot better last week. And they're only going to continue to gel and get better and better and better, in my opinion. So I Hopefully. think the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. And that's why I'm glad that you pointed that out because that was part of the reason why I wanted to, to mention that. Uh, and then, so my second cold read question is, okay. we haven't talked about the Dolphins in a while. I want your thoughts on what happened this past weekend because there sure. were a lot of people riding high on the three and zero start. Okay. Do you think the three and zero start was was a fraud and a fake and just luck or whatever? Okay. Or do you think they just had a bad day last week? Yeah, I don't think it was a fraud. Now I think a lot of things have to be taken into consideration when talking about this. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about the three and zero start. Yes. They didn't play extremely great competition. Okay. So, I mean, I think all three teams that they beat... No, I mean, the ten, okay, Tennessee is the only one that has a winning record right now. Yes, week one in the delay game. Right, so I mean, and I said back when that happened, those typically favor the home they team. They do. So, but you can't take away the win. They, they beat the, the they Titans, beat the and so they... This is a game, and obviously as a Miami Dolphins fan, it's kind of weird saying... I think they needed to lose. Okay. I think, first of all, I think they were going to lose... Okay. I think it's it's tough to go in to Gillette and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Anytime you go in there, no now I, who you have. I'll, I will say this. Everyone, and this isn't answering your question. I'm kind of veering off That's for okay. a quick second. Everyone's like, the Pats are fixed. They're not. <laughs> they are 2-0 and at home yeah. and 0-2 on, on the road. road. Yeah. Obviously, when you go into Gillette, they're known for beating teams at Gillette. Yeah. I need to see them have that kind of dominance on the road right now. Absolutely. That's what I want to see. 
So let's pump the brakes on the we're crowning New England as being completely fixed because I don't think they are. If they're also not falling apart, which is important. No, but, I mean, but I think those things another, are always overrated as well. And they have another home game tonight. So. Those things are always overrated. The We always know the Pats are 2-2 two and two and then they go 12-4 they go twelve and four or something right. like that. Regardless, going back to the Miami Dolphins, if they had won that game, I'd be nervous about what that team is thinking. Yeah. Because I think they're thinking, like, no one can beat us. We're <laughs> top dogs, and I don't want them to be. I want them to stay hungry. Yeah. They're not there yet. No. They have a lot of pieces on defense that I they enjoy, do. but they, they needed do. it to be shown yeah. that they can yeah. that they can be trounced on and Absolutely. beat at will. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's – I don't think the 3-0 start is, is a fake – I think they were destined to lose that game. Yeah. I if you had, if you'd asked me to pick that game, I would have taken the Pats. Okay. Um, I I thought about it last week. I'm but I not. I mean, I think this is going to be a real interesting challenge against against the Bengals this week. They're at home, so I feel like that helps a little bit. It's but a very. I, it's that's another one of those. That's going to be a key game I for said this AFC. Last week, what was the game we mentioned? This is a sneaky good game. We talked about Detroit and, yeah. and Dallas. Last week we mentioned that was a sneaky good game, and it was a good game. Yeah. I think this is the sneaky sneaky good this week. So the, I mean, you know, it'll three be fun. One, which is funny because they're both three and one, but I don't think a lot of people are talking about ooh Dolphins versus. Bengals, right. but I think this could be one of those really good games that comes down to the wire. Yeah. So, so yeah. It'll be real interesting. I mean, I think I'll feel a lot better. I don't even need them to win this week. I just wanted to play up at the competition. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, we'll Good see. Answer. I like that. We'll see. All right, my cold reads for you, my friend. I'm going to the Denver Broncos. Okay. And uh, so obviously they they didn't feel like they needed to trade up to get their quarterback in the draft yep. this year. They signed Case Keenum, who performed really really well last year for the Minnesota Vikings. But before that, had always been like that journeyman. Quarterback. I love Case Keenum, and by the way. So, I've yeah. always loved Case Keenum. I loved Case Keenum when he was playing for the for the uh, Texans and the Rams and all that. So just let's say. Talk to me <laughs> about why why is he struggling and what do we do to get back on track? Well, I want to pull up his stats right now because I'm not quite sure exactly. Okay, so he has 988 yards, three touchdowns, six picks, 72.1 passer rating. Which, and last year, I mean, he was known as the guy that didn't turn didn't the ball over. Because he didn't so, have like seven last year. It was like something really around this number yeah. that he has right now through four weeks. Um, it's interesting because they haven't really figured out their run game. Okay. Because, but I think they're starting to. Because Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, the Royce Freeman, obviously their draft pick, and Philip yep. Lindsay, the undrafted rookie. Yep. Both rookies. Both running kinda, backs. They kind of both had a really good game. They did. On Monday. They, they did. really did. And I have them both on my fantasy team, so thank you. But that being said, I really think that they haven't quite unlocked the offense yet. Do we know what, what's their record again? Are they 1-3 and three or 2-2? Two and two? I'm pretty sure they're 1-3. and three. Um, No, I think... I'm going to pull it up I'm right now. I'm pretty sure they won week one I don't wanna, I thought they, they beat the Raiders. I know they beat the Raiders, and I thought they won week one as well. They did. They beat Seattle. And they, I was going to say, and they have a, a, a tough matchup this week, too, uh, against the Jets. So yeah, that'll which be, is what we The game that we talked about. So they're, no, they're 1-3. and three. No, that's the Jets. I'm looking at the Jets. Sorry. Okay, I was going to say... Yeah, I saw the Jets. Possible. I saw one of three. No, they're 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. So they're 2-2. Two and two, So they're still right in the thick of it. They're not anything yeah i really think they need to figure out the run game because i think case keenum's trying to do much too much at times and case keenum is you know last year he was superman for that team but when you have 
Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, uh, Latavius Murray was playing great, and that offensive line, and Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon, and Kyle Rudolph. When you have weapons like that, it's not obviously you still have to get it there, and obviously he still made plays that were just unreal. That's why he got the money. He deserved yeah. the money for what he did last year. But that being said, when you have those kind of weapons, and they're kind of, and you know, Pat Shermer, great play caller, obviously got him a head coaching job with the New York Giants, but uh, it's still taking him time to gel. And I think that we. People are, are jumping too soon on the, oh, this is a mistake by the Broncos. I really believe that they are. Okay. I think that he's going to figure it out and continue to get better. I do think they have a very good week this week, and I think that they win this week. But I just, I think that people are way too prisoner of the moment in life in general, but especially in football. Sure. We and talked I, about that a handful exactly. of times. And think about it. There are three inches off a pass away from having beating the Chiefs and knocked off the undefeated Chiefs yep. and being 3-1 and one and everybody being like, ooh, look at the Broncos. So yeah, In some ways, you can make the argument like that. Was it just a pass that K should have had? It's true, but still, that being said, and it, football is a game of inches. It really is. And people yeah. people say it all the time and it's a cliche and you laugh at it, but it is so true. Okay. And people don't realize that enough because a little bit, of, a little bit, like half a foot off that pass and it's a touchdown or even if it's not a touchdown, it's down at the one, and they probably win that game. Sure. Uh, but I really think that people need to calm down a little bit on the case. I think that at times he's trying to do too much, and I think that this run game is only going to get better with Royce and Phillip both in the backfield, and I think that they'll figure it out. I really do. I'm not super worried yet on Case Keenum. If they lose this game, is your answer changed or still more time? Still more time. Okay. I guess it depends on how the game would go. Sure. But I don't expect it to be anything dramatic. Okay. It, so, but I do think they win. Yeah. All right, my second cold read for you, and this is uh, one that I think is going to be kind of challenging. So I'm interested yeah. to see how how you go into. It. So Love we mentioned challenge. earlier on in the episode that uh, week four was one of the first weeks that we didn't see like an egregious roughing the passer call. Yeah. But we still saw officials affect the outcome of a game. Oakland and Cleveland. Uh, <sighs> Really looked like Cleveland had the first down to seal the game. Uh, what yeah. I really loved about it is so uh, Dean Blandino, who is the for Fox, he is like the I'm gonna mess up his title, but basically he is like the head of like officiating kind of thing. He's yeah. in New York, watches all of the games, yeah. and is able to be there to give his input. Yeah, and when they reversed that call, his he was dumbfounded and he was just like, I, I don't know, I don't Which know how they could this? have done that. It was the it was a third and one. Yeah. To it would have sealed the game for Cleveland. Okay. They could have run out the clock. Was this was not a, in overtime or before? It was before they would have. It would have. It was because at the end of it, the game. Wasn't it also an overtime where they had the strip sack and they called it back? I don't remember that. The big the big thing was the reversal. But that, okay, so yeah. but it was the reversal of the call because they said that Cleveland had a first down. Right. Then because under the two minute thing they they, they checked reviewed all that. it and they overturned it. No first down punt and then they're able to tie the yes. game. Yes. So what's your question? What's going on and how do fans, people who enjoy the NFL, how do they react to officials having so much power where it can affect the outcome of the game? It's not solely on the players. I don't think there's really a solid answer or a solid, I don't want to say solid point because I'm still going to make a point here, but I don't think this is something that ever changes, ever. Okay. I think that there will always, always be calls that are missed 
There will always be controversial calls. There will always be fans and players outraged at what happens because it's a bang-bang play. And, you know, they called it one way and they looked at it and they were like, oh, okay, we messed up. And obviously looking – I haven't seen it okay, physically, so I don't want to talk too much about the specific play. You don't about the to. specific play – but it, because that, I also know that there was another questionable play later in the in the overtime where there was a strip sack of Derek Carr and it was called back too, and they were like, "Oh, this should be should have been a sack, and the Browns should have won." Okay. Uh, but I always, I don't think that it ever goes away, you know. And they will always continue to get better. And we talked about it with Ruffin the passer. It, mm-hmm. it was so much better this week because I talked about it. But I think that there were just you can't take out the human element. And that's why it will never be perfect for officials, and it will never be perfect for games. There will always be a human element of human error. Sure. And it will always happen. And there will always be weeks where fans are outraged and, like, that costs us the game. I mean, it happens every year. Last year with the Bills, there was the whole Kelvin Benjamin touchdown in the against the Pats, Pats, you know, late in the year when they were both, you know, the Bills win that game, they take over the division lead late in the season. Yeah. So, you know, there will always be big calls that are missed or, or messed up. And then you look back, and hindsight being twenty twenty, they're like, "Oh, that is wrong." Uh, it's just frustrating to me when they, like, yes, I think yeah. you're you're hitting it on the the nail on the head when you're saying things are bang bang. There's always room for human yeah. air. Yeah. But the air for almost anybody was so clear. Yeah. Like they got yeah. the call correct. The rule when you're going to review is there has to be yeah. clear-cut evidence to overturn an original yeah. call. And there was nothing like that. And it's also not the first time it's happened this year. It's happened in other games, too. And this is interesting. And I swear I'm not bringing this up just because I'm a Bills fan. It's just that I watch the Bills games every week and I see every play. There was a play that happened in this against the Packers where Josh Allen was clearly down. And they have a shot where the ball's clearly tucked in his arm and both of his knees are down. And it was called a fumble on the on the field, and the Bills challenged it, and it said call confirmed. And there's a picture of Allen with both knees down and the ball in his hand. Okay. And the the head official guy of CBS at the time said, "I don't know why that wasn't overturned because I have clear evidence right here." So it's just, it's just interesting that this is happening like in more that. than one game. I don't like that. And I I think it obviously is absolutely something that that the league needs to look into and be like, hey. I don't know why you're messing this up or why this is going wrong, but we need to find a way to fix it. But that being said, I unfortunately, I don't think it goes away. I think there I mean, it won't go you know away. I mean? You're right. It's but really the unfortunate. The NFL has become such a technical game where yeah. we're doing these things, where we have these replays and the, yeah. the refs have to go under. They don't even have the hood anymore. Remember when they used to have the hood? Yeah, they go like fun. in this weird thing. But now they're watching on their tablets and whatnot. And they're able to communicate with New York. Uh-huh. Some people don't even like that they do that at all. They're like, the call on the field, whatever you saw is what it is. Yeah. Maybe I can see it'd be interesting if we did go to that. Yeah. But the reason that we do have so many technical things is so you can get it right. Right. And, and so when it's being done wrong. How are you getting it, it wrong? It makes me upset. But also what's crazy to me is you have the head officiating CBS and the head of, for Fox, obviously I don't know if that's the title for either of them, but you have both of them saying the call on the, on the field is clearly wrong or or the call that they d- said after the review is clearly wrong. Yeah. Why aren't they talking to those guys? Uh. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard and upset I hiccuped. But I just, it, that's crazy to me and it's unfortunate, but I, I, 
They yeah, no, you, you answered it well. I threw you a difficult one. Which is I funny. That, which is funny to me though that you. I like the way you said it's becoming such a technical game, and you mentioned replay, but. Just in general, the NFL is becoming such a technical league. And they're, they're, I, they're, I hope to God and I pray and I believe, knock on wood, that the game will always have the physicality that it has that we know and love. Yeah. Because it's still football. Even though people joke that it's going to become flag football or has already become flag football sure. at this point. But it's just amazing to me that there was a point where coaches would walk into a game and, and say, I don't, I don't need a game plan. I don't need this. I don't need that. You physically beat them. We'll win the game in the end. And it's not like that anymore You're for so most right. teams. It's we're going to out-scheme them. We're going to outsmart them, which is just as fun, at least for me and for most people, fans. But it's interesting. It is such a technical game now. You're and so correct. It's a technical game, let's get the calls right. I agree. So, <laughs> whew, Good question. Great answer. Good, I like Thank you. All right, let's uh, start winding this down on pals the last picks. two segments. Pals picks. Yeah. <laughs> that is now our official sound. Yeah. Rip it from this and we're going to play it every Okay. Time. All right, do you want to go first this week? Well, I guess let's uh, recap what we did last week. Yeah, let's week. recap because they uh, all want to hear that. We both <laughs> didn't do that well. We both went one and two. Uh, so, so I didn't lose to you last week. You, what? No? I don't know. No, so, that's what I'm saying. Is oh, you, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, you beat me the week you went oh, 3-0. Yep. So we both went 1-2, yeah. uh, bringing our, our records for the year. I am 6-6. Six and six. Oh, You are 4-8. Okay. and eight. So <laughs> I feel like neither of us are... Even if I go 3-0, and oh, I'm still under 500. The thing that is... Sucks. That's true. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. This is... We pick some tough games for each other. I mean, week. we do it on purpose because it's fun because that we, way. And we are also like... But... We, like, we want to be the better one. <laughs> do you want to go first? Like, you want me to ask you or you want to ask me? No, I'm going to ask you. Let's do this. Okay. Did you write them so that the second team is the home team? Uh, I believe I did for most of them, but I might have loved one or two. Okay. But I'm pretty positive. So, first game that I'm asking you is Eagles at the Vikings. No, nope, vice versa. Oh, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings at the Eagles. Uh, I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna be, I'll do a double check them on the app while we go. It's but. interesting. Uh, I've now had two. This will be my third Vikings game in three weeks that I've had to pick. I've got one win with them, one loss. Uh, I am rolling with them. I yeah, think they're right? gonna go out to Philadelphia. I think just as a whole, there are a better team. I'm gonna okay. say that. All right, I agree. Uh, so. I said it last week. Uh, this is the reason they got Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I mean, I guess you could actually really say he was the reason they lost because they could have tied it up, uh, had this fumble at But when you have the a stat last... line like you have with Kirk Cousins, you should probably win it. Probably. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a team that's now going from, like, they were talking about Super Bowl. They're in desperation mode now. Yeah. One, two, and one. They, they're struggling a little bit. But also, if they win, the Eagles drop to two and three. So... It's a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. I, I believe and in think it. About, and think about this. If the Eagles drop to 2-3 and three, and the rest of the teams in that division win, the Eagles are in last place. Really? Wow. Okay. But yeah, I'm I'm rolling with the, the, home, or the away team, Minnesota Vikings. All right. And now, the second one, and we joked about this last week, we steer away from the Texans because we oh, have been on the Texans 
a lot in Kyle's picks. But we're going Texans game again because he's also involved the Cowboys. They're very interested. And this Battle is the Sunday, Texas. This Sunday night Sunday football, night football. Game. Battle we're, of Texas. Cowboys at the Houston Texans. Oh, God, it's so hard because I feel like every time that I've picked the Texans, they have come back to haunt me. But I'm going with the Texans, going with the home team here. Uh, I really like what they did last week against Indy. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's starting to shake off that rust quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love their weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. Kiki Cutie, or Cute, however you say it. A lot of people are saying Cutie. <laughs> I think that might be correct, honestly. Know. Uh, he emerged, so if you have three wide receivers to go to, that's even scarier. Uh, and that defense, J.J. Uh, Watt, the last two weeks has been turning it on. It's looking like his former self. Yeah. J.J. and Clowney came out, had a little bit of a breakout. Those two are obviously extremely scary. Uh, I think they'll do an all right job of containing Zeke. Mm-hmm. And if you contain Zeke, you beat you beat you the beat Dallas the Cowboys. Cowboys yeah. uh, I do have a minor correction. So the Giants are 1-3. and three, So the Giants would have to win... And the Cowboys are two and two, so you know they'd be tied for last place. But okay. they still, you know what I mean. It still would be it'd be a hodgepodge, and Washington would be right there up front because they're two and one. Yeah. That being said, it's a good segue to the final Pals picks, which is Saint, which is Saints at home versus the Redskins. There we go on yeah. Monday Night Football. So I gave you both the prime time. Yeah, you're games. making me like wait to sweat this out. I love it. That's my favorite. Uh, maybe it'll make me feel better because we'll get yours out of the way and then I'll be yeah, like, right. <laughs> I'll know how I have to do. Uh, I've rolled with the Saints every time. I feel like the Saints uh-huh. is another team that I keep continually getting into their games. Uh, I keep saying I'm I'm trusting Drew Brees. I just talked about how much I like Mark Ingram, mm-hmm. and uh, you you brought up today that the Washington Redskins are the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Is That's, that correct? They they, they mentioned it. At- an NFL game day morning. There's a certain not NFL, uh, Good Morning Football. Okay. There, they. I don't know. I don't know if it's a specific stat category, but I heard Washington Redskins number one defense in the NFL. In in, in one so, way or another, they're number one in something. Yeah. But you know what? I can't go against Drew Brees when he's at home. And he's at home too. When they're in so. the dome, that team is awesome. Uh, so obviously the whole offense as a whole kind of slowed down. That kind of always happens when they're on the road. A little bit. Going back, I think. Breeze continues to have that connection with Thomas. Okay. And I think those running backs are going to have some some fun going up against that number one something defense. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So last week you went with all of the home teams. Did I? No, I went with the road teams. Oh, you went with all the road teams. I went with all the home teams. This week you're a little muddled. So you go the Vikings on the road and then you're going Texans and Saints at home just to recap for those listening. All right, turning it over to you, my friend. Uh, I got some difficult ones for you. I think these are three tough games to pick. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we are having uh, the uh, Kansas the City. First. Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here we go. Yeah, force meets game. force. Let's go. Tell me your thoughts. I don't want to pick this game <laughs> at all. Because I also just don't like the Jaguars. Oh, okay. I don't. I'm not really a Blake Bortles fan. Okay. And obviously, I'm not really a Jalen Ramsey fan. If those of you who listen to uh, our, the thing is, like, I'm a two. fan of him on the field so much. And he's such a two. great corner. Yeah. When we listen Just. back on episode two, we have a, a chat about Jalen Ramsey. But that I'll say this: this has been this has been Tyreek kind of calling him out first in a really respectful way, though. He's like, I'm really excited to go against him because he's the top dog, and when you want to be the best, you go against the best. Yeah. So he called out Jalen, but in a respectful way. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> that being said, 
I really don't want to pick this game. I really don't because it's so tough. You have all these offensive weapons, but then you have this incredible defense. So, it doesn't get easier from here, my friend. So, so. I, well, I actually think this is the Maybe. easiest one for you me. You think this least. is the first one's the easiest one? Yeah, so it doesn't get me. easier. So you don't want to pick this one. I'm excited for the rest. No, no, no. I messed that wrong. I said the other ones. I meant the other one. I think this, oh, is, this the is the toughest one. one. To okay. me, this is the toughest one. Okay. So we get this out of the way. I still haven't decided in my head. I'm just trying to the, extend the time. So yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> our clock's winding down, but you know, you do you. All right, I'm I'm gonna do it. I am going <laughs> with the Chiefs on this one. Going with the home yeah, team. Yeah, going Chiefs. with the home team. It's just so hard to go into Arrowhead and beat that team. It's one of the toughest venues in the NFL. Uh, I believe it captured the record from the Seahawks for loudest, loudest stadium. I believe so in in NFL history and in the NFL currently. So I just I really think that last week was a uh, was very telling of what this team can be and will be. You know, somebody had kind of cracked the code on them with the Broncos defense, and they held them to 13 points all the way until late in the fourth quarter, and then they figured it out, and boom, turn the switch, 14 unanswered points, win the game. Okay. So so I believe in that, and I believe in Andy Reid to be able to scheme up that team against... There's too many weapons. They're just too many weapons. I'm going to add a little... We don't do this during Palace Picks, but I'm interjecting That's a little okay. question just to make this more interesting. I like that. Who, if the Chiefs win, which you're saying they do, yeah. do they win because... Of Showtime Mahomes, or is this Kareem Hunt proving once again he's one of the better backs in the NFL? Um, I feel like this is cheating, but I think it's a little bit of both. I really think that they're. I think that it's going to be a complimentary football game. I don't think it's going to be Showtime Mahomes six touchdowns, and I don't think it's going to be Kareem Hunt two hundred yards four touchdowns. I okay. think it's a little bit of both. I think Fair. they. I'll I think that. I, but I think that it starts through the air because that defense is so tough to run against. I think that they open it up. By running Tyreek Hill deep and Kelsey down the seam and uh, Chris Conley over the middle. I believe that they open it up by using those weapons through the air. And then the middle of that defense will open up a bit so that they respect that. And yeah. then Kareem will eat. So I think it's a little bit of both. I'll say this real quick. My thoughts on it. Um, if the Chiefs do win, I think what they have going for them is obviously you have Kelsey who is an amazing yeah. weapon. Tight end going down the seam and whatnot. And and Hill. But like their wide receivers, they're a little bit smaller shiftier guys yeah so when you have your corners aj bouye and uh jalen ramsey yeah obviously both phenomenal corners but Absolutely. they're bigger guys they like to jam and i feel like if these shiftier yeah. guys can get around with their speed yep obviously both corners are fast too right but like that that'd be a good weapon for them I agree. so we'll see how that plays out we're gonna go with uh the pittsburgh steelers hosting the atlanta falcons sorry steelers the falcons are winning this one i game. agree with you it's just i find it so hard to believe that the Atlanta Falcons are where they are right now. Yeah. Considering how good they have been. Um, and another, this, I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to hit all my interesting stats that I had saved here there in, we go, through the show. But here's the one for Falcons rookie Calvin Ridley. He has as many touchdowns as Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Odo Beckham, Keenan Allen combined. Shot through the heart. What was it? Would you say five of his last? Uh, how many catches were touchdowns? He, well, I, this he has fifteen catches. He has fifteen catches. Six have been touchdowns. Six of them are touchdowns. Will you send me that so I can send that to Jack to uh, just be like, hey, yes, right. Who's <laughs> you know? Josh is mentioning our fantasy football league, and he's trying to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and he's offering Calvin Ridley in the trade. Uh, that being said, I just th- this offense is so good, and this defense has been better than people would have thought, especially after losing the pieces that they lost. So, I really, and I don't mean just in general, because obviously it was a shootout last week, but I mean in situational football, too. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they so unbelievable how 
Andy Dalton and AJ Green won that game last week. It was, it was a such great a great game. game. Uh, that being said, I can't believe that they're one and three, and they're not going to drop to one and four. They're going to win this game. Their backs are against the wall. They're going to get up to two and three and stay in the hunt for that division. And the Steelers are going to continue to spiral a little bit here. Here we go. I'll give I you... think it's going to be a shootout. Oh, it's going to be a great offensive yeah. game. I'll give you my uh, two cents on this to, to wrap up this game. Obviously, both teams are not where they thought they would be. Mm-hmm. So, one and three Atlanta Falcons. They've lost some really tight games. tough, tight games. Yeah. Where Steelers got beat up by Baltimore, tied with Cleveland. Yep. Almost lost to Tampa. These are two teams that are in similar positions record-wise, yeah. but not with how they're performing on the field. At I'm, all. All, I'm all about yeah. the Falcons. And interest, one last interesting fact. The Steelers are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last 11 games versus the Atlanta Falcons. Interesting. But they're still going to lose here. They're going to be 9-2-1. Here we go. Uh, last pals pick for you, my friend, and it's a game that I feel like people are like, "Well, this is the stinker of the or week." Nine, one, and two. Wouldn't that be the way I say? I don't. Know. Sorry, I'm, I'm bad at math. Either way, here we go. Arizona Cardinals versus the San Francisco 49ers. Before you say anything, last week you recalled 49ers winning division. You okay. were like C.J. Beathard, uh, boo, and he played pretty darn well okay. against well, the L.A. Chargers. They're still one and three. The Rams are four and zero. Oh, I'm and just the saying. Seahawks are two and two. <laughs> and after this week, the 49ers. It was will be... more about C.J. Beathard than. And after else. this week, the 49ers will be one and four, and the Arizona Cardinals Ooh. will be one and four. The Arizona Cardinals are at home. Josh Rosen showed me something last week. The stats weren't incredible. He was like 15 of 23 for about 100 yards, 80 yards, and a touchdown. But opened the ball a little bit. David Johnson started to get going. He got his touchdown. And I believe this Cardinals team can turn it around. And I don't mean in the sense that they're going to make the playoffs or push for the division or anything. But they always play their division opponents tough no matter what their record. They almost beat Seattle last week. Uh, Arizona's also won six straight games versus San Francisco. Which is big. Wow, okay. And so they're at home, and I'm rolling with it. And this is also another one of those sneaky good games, in my opinion. Because you're right, Beathard and Shanahan put together a nice game plan. And they they gave the Chargers a run for their money. And the Chargers are one of the better teams in the NFL. Yeah. And I really think that it's going to be a fun game. But I think that Josh Rosen and David Johnson get it done. All I right. I really do. I think it's going to be a close, fun game. There we go. So you, uh, I think this might be the first week where we've done the same thing, where we both took two home teams and one away team. Yeah. So you picked the Chiefs over the Jags, the Falcons over the Steelers, and then the Cardinals over the 49ers. That's yep. our recap there. And, so hopefully uh, I go 3-0 and you go 0-3. I mean, and... I don't necessarily appreciate that. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, even if that happens, I... Think. No, I would. I would. Oh have yeah, the you, lead would, you would. take the so lead. That's the only way I take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, let's uh, get on to some friends' fortunes. Yeah. So... Well, I went first the last couple weeks. So okay, you're I'll, go first this I'll go week. first. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Get the heck out of here. All right. All right. Here we go. It's just me in the room. Adam has left, and uh, I just have to say, Justin Tucker. You know what? I'm not even upset. I respect and I appreciate you that much. So keep doing impressions and singing opera. That's awesome. All right. So we're moving on to uh, Josh's Week 5, Friends Fortune. The record for most... And we've been talking offense all day today. The record for the most combined touchdowns in one week from all 32 teams is 63 touchdowns thrown in Week 1 uh, a handful of years ago. That was, um, I believe... Uh, it was the year that Peyton Manning broke the record. I can't remember what year that is off the top of my head. 
so I apologize about that. But regardless, that record is going to fall this week. Quarterbacks are going to throw for over 65 touchdowns this week. I think it's going to be an offensive explosion that's going to continue. We're going to see a heck of a lot of points put up. So the record of 63 touchdown, total touchdowns thrown in uh, one week is going to fall this week. Let's get Adam in the room and see what he has to say. Okay, friends' fortunes for this week, friends. So we just talked about a lot this week about how the NFL offenses have been just insane and record-setting paces for this season. Uh, and we mentioned it in our segment where we had to pick games that we thought would be lower scoring. So I'm saying that there will be four, at least four different games this week that combined the team's score for less than 30 points. Now, 30 might be a lot, but I'm saying com- a lot to some of you listening, but 30 combined points. It will be less than that. And I'm going to highlight four games for you. Now, I'm not picking these games specifically, so I don't want to be that much of it. <laughs> and obviously, maybe this is kind of cheating, but still, I'm highlighting four games to look at. I'm looking at the Titans and Bills, possibly. Uh, I'm looking at the Ravens and the Browns, possibly being one of the games. Looking at the Broncos and the Jets and the Cardinals and the 49ers. Those are all games that I'm looking at. Uh, and I'm also going to throw in the Cowboys and the Texans as possible. So those are those are five possible games to look at that could be the, the scoring under 30 points. But the bold prediction for the Friends Fortune this week is that at least four games this week, NFL Week 5, are going to score a combined less than 30 points in each game. So you just told me you cheated on your fortune. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Anyways, that wraps up Week 5. Here we go. Our fifth episode, which means... We should be on Spotify and we iTunes. We should qualify for Spotify. So there we yeah. go. Yeah, we are working very di- uh, diligently to uh, continue getting on multiple platforms mm-hmm. for you guys. So con- thank you for continuing listening. Yeah. As always, uh, continue sharing Absolutely. with anybody who loves sports or geeky guys talking about things. <laughs> that is now the synopsis of our geeky guys the talking about things. official synopsis of our show. <laughs> Uh, if you have questions or things you want us to talk about, let us know. If you want some shout-outs, we'll do shout-outs at the end of every episode. Uh, so I have two things that I want to say before okay. we wrap it up. Uh, kind of non-football related things, but I'll say real quick. Okay. Uh, the first one is, um, the quote of the week came from you, and I appreciated it. Okay. Uh, earlier today, it was just earlier today, you, uh, at work said to me, the last couple of weeks I've been feeling like Jared Goff under... Jeff Fisher, and this week I felt like Jared Goff under Sean McVay, and that just made me really happy. Uh, Just (laughs) knowing you and uh, everything playing out, that just made me really happy. The other thing I have to say uh, about general things is, I think somebody told us to say this on our podcast. It might have been Jill once again, who we shouted out last week. If out there in the world people are doing pay it forward for you, Keep the chain going. Absolutely. Spread a little kindness, everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> We're trying to do that at work right now, and sometimes it's really awesome. It makes us happy as, as workers, and then it just makes us so sad when people are like, no. So, pay it forward. It doesn't take that much to give a little bit every day. And a little bit can go far away. It really can. So, thanks for tuning in to Simultaneous Catch, everybody. God bless.